This show is created for adult audiences only. Our show notes include content warnings and other helpful information. We strongly recommend taking a moment to assess the situation before continuing. Let's begin. Episode 72 The Mothman Phenomenon Part 6 The Conclusion As we near the conclusion of the Mothman story... We are no closer to determining the truth around the strange encounters. Over the following year, the reports continued to pile in, slowly dwindling over time. Despite the lack of encounters with the bird, things still remained out of the ordinary for the residents of Point Pleasant and the surrounding area. The once sleepy town, now plagued with monstrous beings, flashing lights, and strange objects in the sky would see an even greater devastation occur in December the following year. Join us as we discuss the encounters leading up to the fateful day that would affect the residents of Point Pleasant for years to come. Everett Wedge, along with four other pilots, mistook a large winged creature as an airplane before determining it looked more like a very large bird. They watched as it glided low above the water and sailed upwards of 300 feet in the air. They found it strange that the creature's wings did not flap. Instead, it seemed to glide at approximately 70 miles per hour. They continued watching it as it flew past the airport. The most notable feature they found was that it seemed to have a long neck and swayed from side to side, almost as if taking in the scenery. At that time, Everett grabbed his camera, boarded his plane, and flew off in pursuit of the winged beast. Unfortunately, he lost sight of it as it disappeared into the trees. A month later, another witness, too, mistook the strange creature for an airplane. On January 11, 1967, at roughly 5pm, Mabel McDaniel was near Tiny's Drive-In Restaurant, just outside of Point Pleasant, when she spotted a brown, low-flying creature. Its wings spread out elegantly, with a wingspan of at least 10 feet. The beast also had what appeared to be two legs, much like that of a man. It circled above the restaurant silently, gliding through the area for some time before flying away. The various Mothman encounters were not the only strange occurrences happening during that time. 
several of those that experienced seeing the bird began witnessing the strange lights that danced in the sky, and even those that reported being contactees found themselves the target of strange dark vehicles with equally strange individuals that would follow them and harass them. In early February of 1967, Connie Carpenter had left her house to go to school. As she was walking down the street, a large black 1949 Buick pulled up next to her. She watched as a man opened the door and motioned to get her attention. The man was young and well presented. He was tanned with combed back hair and wore a brightly colorful shirt with no jacket, which was surprising as the cold had been biting for months now. As she approached the vehicle, the man stood up and quickly lunged at her, grabbing her. She fought back and was able to break free of the man's embrace and ran home, locking the door behind her. She didn't leave her house for several days. The day following the incident, at roughly 3 p.m., she received a loud knock at her door. After not answering, a note was slid underneath it. Her hand shook as she cautiously unfolded the neatly creased piece of paper. Her heart raced and her stomach sank as she read the words to herself. Be careful, girl. I can get you yet. She and her husband, Keith, went to visit the local police that night. After explaining the incident and handing over the note, it was then handed on to Officer Raymond Manley. An investigation was then performed. However, neither the large black car nor the man driving were ever seen or heard from again. Sometime later, Mary Millette and Linda Scarberry were visited by a strange couple claiming to offer free annual photographs of each of their families. The man was very large, and the woman had red hair. She seemed to keep behind the man, making sure to hide her face as much as possible. After questioning others in the community, the two women were the only ones that were approached by the odd couple. The strange letters, much like the one received by Connie Carpenter, were also sent out to several others, including a man named Tad Jones. On the morning of January 19, 1967, Tad Jones had been driving along Interstate 64 when he came upon a large metal spherical-shaped object hovering just four feet off the ground ahead of him. It sat roughly 20 feet in diameter and was a dull aluminum color. The odd-shaped vehicle had four legs with small wheels attached to the bottom of them. He also spotted a small window on the front of the object and what looked like a propeller on the bottom of it. It was idling at first and then started to spin rapidly. He watched in amazement as the object lifted off the ground and then quickly flew off out of sight. 
The next day, Tad found a small note that was slipped under the door of his home. Unlike the note received by Connie Carpenter, this one was written in block letters and was singed along the edges of the paper it was written on. The note read, We know what you have seen, and we know that you have talked. You better keep your mouth shut. You won't be warned again. He immediately dismissed the note, assuming it was a prank that was being played on him. At the same time as the other strange occurrences, many reported seeing bright lights that pierced the night skies over Point Pleasant. By the end of 1967, over 1,000 UFO sightings were reported in the area. Colorful orbs were seen zipping through the sky at unbelievable speeds. Random-shaped crafts were seen at all hours, weaving around or hovering in the air. In the months of March and April of 1967, the amount of UFO sightings had reached an all-time high. Nightly, bright lights and crafts were seen at low heights over the TNT area. An off-duty police officer was driving around the infamous TNT area one night in March of 1967. His headlights illuminated the dark area as he came upon a large, dark elliptical object hovering a few feet above the pond. The object appeared to have small windows and rocked back and forth in the air before silently flying away and out of sight. With the increased reports of UFO sightings brought a decrease in Mothman sightings. One man claimed to see a large winged figure follow his car on a dark rainy night in March of 1967. Just two months later, two women reported seeing a Mothman fly to meet with a UFO. They watched two red glowing eyes on a dark figure that was perched on a nearby tree. All of a sudden, they saw a large red glowing object that approached the tree. The creature then rose up to the craft and disappeared as the craft quickly flew away. Virginia Thomas had been working in her kitchen one day in November of 1967 when she heard a very loud high-pitched sound similar to that of a bad fan belt coming from one of the igloos. As she glanced outside, she watched as a very large shadow spread out over the afternoon grass. Confused and taken aback by the situation, she watched as a tall gray figure that walked erect like a man emerge from within. It then quickly made its way through the field and disappeared into the trees, almost gliding instead of walking. After that sighting, Virginia found herself being plagued by bad dreams and lack of sleep in the following months. It wasn't long before Mary Heyer began publishing the reports in the Athens Messenger. Calls then poured in. As many as 500 calls were received guarding sightings in a single weekend. 
After all the calls, she began to experience an influx and strange visitors. One night, Mary had been working late in her office when a small man entered. The man stood about four and a half feet tall with strange eyes covered by thick lensed glasses. He had dark, long hair that had been cut into a bull cut style. He also wore a very thin blue shirt with matching pants. This struck her as odd as the man was clearly not dressed for the weather. The man appeared off-putting and spoke in a low-toned voice. He then proceeded to ask for directions to Welsh, West Virginia. As he spoke, the small man inched closer and closer to her. Despite his size, he terrified her. She quickly ran into the back room and was met by the newspaper circulation manager, and he followed her back out to speak to the small man still standing in her office. At that point, a phone call came in, abruptly ceasing their conversation. As Mary stood there speaking to the voice on the other end, she watched the little man pick up a ballpoint pen. He stared intently at the object in his hand. He looked at it as though he had never seen anything like it before. He then let out a loud menacing laugh and ran out the door, disappearing into the night. Later, Mary reached out to the local police department to inquire about the small man. She worried that he may have been an escaped prisoner or may have been a danger. To her surprise, there was no one of interest that matched her description. Several weeks after the incident, she spotted the man again. She had been crossing the street near her office when she spotted the man staring back at her. He appeared startled when he realized that she was looking back at him. He then quickly retreated to a large black car and sped away. Just over one year after the first Mothman encounter was experienced, along with the countless UFO sightings reported, a dark cloud descended on the area, affecting the residents of Point Pleasant in a devastating way. On December 15, 1967, the 700-foot bridge that connected West Virginia with Ohio suddenly collapsed in the middle of the rush hour traffic. At approximately 5.05 p.m., the bridge was filled with dozens of vehicles fighting rush hour to make their way home. 31 vehicles fell into the ice-cooled water, resulting in 46 deaths and 9 injuries. The Silver Bridge was built in 1928. In its infancy, it was marveled from all around. They would come to witness its beauty and travel the 700-foot extension over the Ohio River. On the Ohio side of the river, the stoplight at the entrance to the bridge had not been working that day. It had been stuck on green, sending the rush hour traffic into a state of confusion. While the bridge was full of workers commuting home, Christmas shoppers, families, and many others sitting in near motionless traffic, they felt a shift and the bridge started shaking. 
However, the shaking wasn't out of the ordinary. All of a sudden, the weight of the vehicles could be felt as it dropped from under the drivers in them. The sound of screaming steel then echoed throughout the area. Then, the bridge twisted as the main span split from each end. Wires crudely split, sending sparks in multiple directions. The bridge then collapsed into the dark water. A rumbling roar filled the area, followed by screams and cries that could be heard by those in Point Pleasant. The silver bridge, known for the aluminum-colored paint used to paint it, was the first I-bar suspension bridge constructed. Due to a defect in one of the I-bars, it had cracked and corroded over time. This went unnoticed due to the lack of safety checks and repairs on the bridge, and finally, caused a domino effect of failures to occur, resulting in its tragic demise. Cleanup crews and volunteers spent the next few weeks cleaning the area. The residents felt the effects of the events that took place that day for many years. The sleepy town of Point Pleasant, West Virginia, lost a part of itself that day. Many questioned the events that took place before the Silver Bridge collapse. Were the indicators of what was to come? Had the land been cursed by Chief Cornstalk? Could the entire incident have been avoided? Unfortunately, there isn't a guaranteed answer. Despite the tragedy of the Silver Bridge collapse, some still experienced further strange occurrences. Flashing lights, orbs, and lights in the sky. The reports of Mothman sightings had dwindled to a near halt. However, they did not stop completely. Several reports have came in over the years claiming to see the winged monstrosity perched in the darkness or soaring through the clouds. On numerous occasions, Mothman has been spotted near areas where tragic events have taken place. A mine collapse in 1978. Near the Fukushima power plant just before the earthquake occurred in 2011. In Chernobyl in 1986 and the 9-11 attacks in 2001, as mentioned previously. Given the fact that Mothman was seen at the site of so many devastating events, it is difficult to argue with the idea of it being a harbinger of doom, attempting to warn against the impending disasters. Perhaps it was attempting to warn the residents of Point Pleasant long before the Silver Bridge met its demise. Again, the question remains. We may never truly know exactly, and more importantly, do we really want to know? Welcome campers to Campfire Tales of the Strange and Unsettling. We are your hosts, I'm Ryan. And I'm Jordan. And now, the debrief. Let me just say, I hope this is the last Mothman episode we ever do. (laughs) (laughs) I can't imagine what we'd do after (laughs) this. 
Yeah, well, I mean, you know, we did discuss doing Chicago Mothman. I'm sure we could fit That's that in true. there somewhere. But no. Yeah. I joke. I joke. Yeah. This is it. Finally. Yes. Six episodes. For those that have actually listened to every one of these episodes, thank you for staying staying on board and becoming yeah. just as well educated on Mothman as we've become at this point. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I mean, you know, you want to talk to us. I'm sure we can talk about Mothman for hours now. Dude, I'm like, I, I've been so in it. I, I started to like freak out a little bit. <laughs> like... <laughs> I was dreaming about Mothman. Right. Yeah. I was, I'm yeah, glad that too much. I'm glad that I could finish this up for us. <laughs> yeah, me too. Me too. Um, it's so easy because there's so many encounters. It's so easy to get like bogged down and like. Oh, there. They, yeah, there's there are literally so many encounters. Like, and that's why I mean, throughout this, when I tried to focus on just the most notable that I felt yeah. were unique enough to help the story continue onward. I like the way you did it because <laughs> yeah. I I liked the way you did it because it you sort of picked the cases that were like emblematic of the types of encounters of right. each type that was going on. Yeah. Know? Yeah, for That's, sure. Yeah. And of course we had to talk about Men in Black. Like that was an yeah. absolute must. Um, That's a huge part of the story. Exactly, yeah. for sure and the fact that like there started to be so many of those encounters, those weird, strange, strange visitors yep. happening, even just the with the one with uh, Millette and Scarberry, the one where they had the the weird couple claiming to be photographers willing to take Ugh. free photos. Yeah, which I thought that was just such a weird, weird thing. That one's so um, creepy. It really is. It's just, I don't know. I mean, and of course they they knew something was up. Yeah, you know, and that's why they're immediately like, questioning like what's going on and stuff. And yeah, they were the only they are the only ones targeted. Nobody else had ever seen them or heard from them or heard anything about those free annual photos or anything like that. Yeah. Just that one. That one to me was one of the weirdest, most notable ones for sure. Dude, at this point in the lives of the Scarberries, I can't imagine someone like being more having more reason to be paranoid about weird shit. Oh, without a doubt. Yeah. Like no they they went through so much, dude. And that's and that's the thing with a lot of these too is a lot of these people that had even, you know, random encounters or happened to see this Mothman like figure or whatever else not only had that going on, but a series of other things. Yeah. Um, you know, and they're still seeing this thing out there. They're being harassed and hunted down by these so-called men in black. Yep. Um, seeing, you know, seeing these UFOs and these dancing light in the, lights in the skies and, you know, just literally were targets for all this stuff to happen to yeah. them. Not to mention weird dreams. That, yeah. Like, constantly plagued by nightmares and paranoia and like weird phone calls weird strange electronic stuff going on little notes being left that just taunted them yeah yeah no doubt dude it's this thing fucking ruined people's lives yeah i i could see why yeah i mean dude like i imagine 
being one of these families and part of one of these families or just even like imagine being like tad jones tad jones he's just driving down the road and sees this this uh like charcoal grill looking object in the middle of the road <laughs> and like and then he gets he gets a note telling him like you better watch his back you know uh and Dude, to keep his mouth shut <laughs> i actually wrote in my notes tad jones ufo looked like a coleman grill <laughs> yes exactly that's what i'm saying like yeah because it was described as being like the spherical object with four legs with little wheels wheels on the bottom (laughs) of them carting it around it's the wheels that get me dude and it had like a it has like a dumb little propeller hanging off the back (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's also to keep like to keep the you know the coals like going you know to keep yeah them, exactly keep everything like rotating keep the gotta have know, proper the heat ventilation nice and even exactly yeah yeah <laughs> so he oh just sees this grill in the middle of the road kind of hovering <laughs> over it and he's like huh that's pretty cool <laughs> yeah and then he gets this this note this threatening note that like looks like a seventh grader was trying to make it look fancy like yeah the, like, like the I edges like are some, singed yeah and, and it has block letters and stuff so i thought of it being yeah. like more so like one of those like uh very cliche ransom notes you know yep it's like cut out magazine letters and stuff like that <laughs> yeah. and it's like give us back our dog or we'll steal your uh, hamster yeah exactly yeah <laughs> hamster <laughs> <laughs> yeah but it's <laughs> You know, you know instead go yeah. ahead you know what it reminded me of it reminded me of when like when we were young and we were into like when we went through our wicca phase oh yeah right and like i used to write write out like my spells right in like <laughs> this like um simple like one-to-one replacement alphabet that we created yeah you know i still have I that like, alphabet in one of my books i still have Dude, all of my old like Wicca books and stuff somewhere. Yeah. That's awesome. Um but I used to like write out the spells and then I would take a lighter or a candle that was lit and like burn the edges of the, the piece of paper. The edges, yeah. Yeah, to make it look like old and cool and <laughs> That's when you just yeah. kind of soak it in coffee and let it dry out. I know, missed opportunity. Hindsight we is 2020. We you know, we weren't that smart then. <laughs> yeah. But no, this is I, why uh, adults should have Wicca phases instead of children. So, as uh, and just a side note, um, as we've talked before, I'm ordained, and uh, the who I who I went through, they also offer a Wicca package, basically being like a master of Wicca and stuff, and you get like a certificate, really? you get like you know, you're still your clergy like parking pass, all that stuff. <laughs> And I'm like, I'm thinking about like getting into it. I think that would be cool. That'd be another. That would be cool. Another neat thing I could have under my belt. Dude. <laughs> so that's like the same. Neat. Yeah, I feel like that's on par with like these quote unquote universities online offering uh, like yeah. degrees in cryptozoology. Hey, I mean, you know, like you know. I've actually like went through and looked at like the curriculum. Yeah, how 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 are they? Terrible. I, I would They're expect like, so. Yeah. You know they'll sp- they'll spend like six weeks talking about Nessie, and it's like 
This is worse than the Campfire Mothman series. <laughs> that, that takes a lot. <laughs> exactly. I hope that we, we <laughs> just this starts to like, you know, get people start trolling this a lot. And like, yeah, yeah, we just start to become the meme of like all this shit where this is worse than the Campfire Mothman series. Blah, 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 yeah. Blah. Like, yeah. Hey, I mean, I don't mind it, man. Like, that's awesome. Um, yeah. Regardless, we put in the work. So you I want to hear that, like you know, a new Star Wars movie comes out, or a new uh, <laughs> who's that fucking guy that makes all those mob movies? A new Scorsese movie comes yeah. out, and like they're like, well, it was good, but it was like four and a half hours long, longer than the fucking Campfire Mothman series. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I want to make it a meme, people. Yeah, I'm, we're giving you the idea right here. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> run with it. Um, no, but yeah, so back to, back to, uh, talking about Pat, Tad Jones, Pat, Tad Jones, um, and the note. So yeah, he, he got that like block lettered note, singed edges, like just think of, you know, just like a burnt piece of paper basically. And it's very like ominous and saying like, we know what we've seen or we know what you've seen and we know that you've talked like just weird, you know, like Tell him to keep his mouth shut, and he won't be warned again. Exactly. <laughs> but, yeah, very, very ominous and very, like, yeah, like you said, classic MIB, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, and there's there's so many of those yeah. stories in this. Like, people just being harassed in these, like, we, this... Okay, so this is kind of, like, it feels classic to us now because so many... UFO, you know, contactees and and they've reported these MIB encounters. Yeah. Now and we're so used to the the classic tropes of it. But like this was not a trope at the time. Right. Like yeah, I mean, this, they were figuring out what was happening. I was going to say and this kind of started like the men in black phenomenon too, right? Yeah, I mean it it definitely cemented it. Right. Like, yeah. Oh, this is a thing that goes on. Yeah. Of course. Um, one thing that, like, over a thousand UFO sightings. A thousand, uh, yeah, over a thousand by the end of 1967. So That's... in this 13 months, uh, 13 month span, right? From December of 66 to December of 67. Or sorry, November of 66 to December of 67. Yeah. We had a thousand UFO sightings that were reported. That was just the yeah. ones that were actually reported, you know, that, yeah. yeah, that we're aware of. So, like, I mean, yeah. And that, and then that, that weekend, uh, that Mary Hired received upwards of 500 reports in a single weekend. It was yeah. one of those, like, flap weekends, right? You imagine how busy she was, dude. dude how much work she did on I mean, all that's this. all she would be doing is, taught, like, taking down reports. Like, yeah. Yeah. That'd be insane. I want that to be my job, man. I want to just hear about people's random UFO encounters. You could go work for MUFON. Hey, I'm into it. <laughs> I think it'd be cool. Like, you know, I just love hearing you about could probably find a probably find a better organization than I that. mean, probably, but still. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so one thing that um, the very first encounter you covered 
what was that fellow's name? Uh, Something was it Everett Wedge? Wedge? Yeah, yeah. So he was he was a pilot along with four other pilots, um, and they happened to see this. They thought they thought at first it was a plane, and they were like watching it, you know, watching it really intently. And then yeah. they started seeing it like do all these like whips and nays and stuff, and then like <laughs> it wasn't like flapping its wings, and it was just gliding. And then yeah. so and they're like, "Oh, this is a bird," but it yeah shook them as very strange because it wasn't like flying in the traditional sense, right? Yeah, no flapping, right? Exactly. Yeah, which we talked about like, a lot, but yeah, they clocked it at like seventy miles per hour. Seventy miles per hour, and they watched it going upwards, like fly. It was like flying low by the river, and then shooting upwards of up of upwards of three hundred feet. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. And one of the weird things about this one is they talk about it having a long neck. Yeah, and this is the actual only report that was ever made that discusses seeing a neck on this thing. Yeah. Because everybody else always has said it was necklace, right? Right, eyes in the chest. Exactly. So the only report that ever said it actually had a neck... And they, because they said like it seemed to like look from side to side, like as if it was just like surveying the area, taking in the sights, like it was out there just for a, you know, just a average fly sesh, just doing its thing, <laughs> yeah. just mopping around, <laughs> just a recon mission, <laughs> right? But yeah, I thought that was really weird too. I do like the fact that like he like grabs his camera. Hops in this plane and takes off after this thing. Like, yeah, dude, such how badass a, is that? Such a badass move, exactly for sure. Yeah, I loved it. But yeah, unfortunately, he wasn't able to keep up with it and lost it in, amongst the trees and never saw it again. Yeah. So another super interesting one was the people who saw Mothman board a craft. Like, so that one I thought that was a little weird. Um. But, I mean, you know, is is also kind of neat because they had said they basically saw this this figure that was perched on a tree with bright glowing eyes, very dark figure, and then they see this, like, bright red, again, red glowing object kind of descend down to the tree line, and then you see this figure kind of just take off up towards it and then disappears in... in seemingly inside of it and then it flies off right did they say specifically that it was a glowing object or that it was like a a light Um, as if if, man if I remember right I thought they said that it was like a red glowing object okay because I was thinking maybe they saw it like fly into a portal you know what I mean yeah but they also said that they watched it like come down to the tree. So is this portal just kind of flying? Who Which knows? I guess, yeah, I suppose that's possible. Do you know the rules for portals? Exactly, yeah, I, I don't. <laughs> that's, Me neither. <laughs> yeah, so I that's fair. Maybe maybe that's that could have been what it was, you know? I mean, it's also, this is the dark. They're also seeing these things like, they're seeing yeah. this like red thing. It could have, it could be a portal. It could be... You know, I mean, it could be anything. Like, yeah, I mean, but all the lights in the skies could be portals. True. I like I mean, that idea, though. Know. I think that's neat. Yeah, because I, I didn't even think about that. I just thought of him hopping on board of his friend's UFO. Yeah, 
Just hanging out with those other buddies. <laughs> Again, just mothing around. All the other moths. <laughs> Doing their, I mean, that on- their moth things. To be fair, that is a theory, is that there were multiple Mothmen. Right, yeah. That's why you know I did, I mean? in that encounter I said a Mothman yeah. versus the, right? Yeah. That's a weird thought to me for some reason. He's, it seems like such a singular entity. I know. But like, it does, for sure. When you see like the the real breadth of encounters that were happening, sometimes like several in a day right like super far apart i mean that's you could what i was talk gonna say like, like multiple different areas happening yeah. roughly the same times too yeah i mean that could also be a good argument for this being for like this know, rift uh, or this portal slipping in and out of yeah yep i agree that and and the the argument that this is like a, a manifestation you know what i mean okay yeah so like if people are are if people are creating these experiences it wouldn't have to be exclusive to you know any geographical location that's true it could happen yeah, anywhere with anyone and i mean it it's hard to you know this is this is this is why it's such a such a difficult case because it's it's really tough to like think of this as you know like this I guess, like, you know, like, whole, like, flesh and bones, whatever approach towards things versus this idea of this, you know, this thing kind of materializing and being, like, manufactured just by thought and stuff like that, right? Um, Because, I mean, yeah, it honestly, both sides make sense to me. Yeah, <laughs> that's and that sucks because like you know it's hard to feel like one way or the other and like you know be ultimately like one sided in this because everything does you know ju- does like add up and does make sense. You know, I like the idea of this being able to slip like slip through rifts and you know things like that and alter different like time periods and dimensions and stuff like that, but also. This being this physical object that's out there, and maybe he has like a big old family, um, or the idea that just because people are, you know, building this like this thought thing, they're developing this almost like tulpa-based thing that's yep. you know, yeah, thought form that's now becoming real. Yeah. Every time I hear the <laughs> the like list of of the top like theories. I'm always left thinking like I'm always left with this feeling like they're all correct and they're all <laughs> incorrect. Right, exactly. You know what I mean? Like Yeah. Maybe I it could be all of it, it could be none of it. It's like you everything I mean? sounds plausible. Yeah. Cuz it's so outlandish to begin with, right? Exactly. The whole thing is like For sure. It's so far from normal. I mean, I'll use the word normal. It's so far from normal reality that, like, literally anything could be possible. It, like, it opens your mind to this idea that, like, there's no limits for anything, right? So, like, when you start hearing theories, you're like, how could you discount any of them, right? Yeah. A hundred percent. I mean, and and that's, and that's the thing to it. And that's why I said, like, 
it's so hard to be like to to be on one side of this and to think like one way or the other because all this stuff is going on there's so many supporting supporting scenarios and counters like experiences being held and had by many of the people of the area not just people in Point Pleasant but also surrounding areas and stuff like that right um, yeah. I know we focus a lot a lot mainly on Point Pleasant with this because we're focusing more on Mothman we're trying to take that you know that approach and you know kind of keep it as this Mothman thing but and we took long enough just to cover this imagine if we oh, hadn't focused Jesus man yeah no doubt yeah <laughs> this would be yeah we want to go there um, yeah. but regardless like yeah so I mean thinking of it like that it's just it's so difficult to to really like just kind of pinpoint and that's where you know starting starting the thing you know we still have that question that question of what is this you know what what is this thing why is it here like what is actually going on and then you know and then it kind of kind of to sum it up like do we actually want to know do we want do we want to be able to have like i mean it would kind of suck to find out like this is all just a bunch of like silly things that turn into this big thing and turn into this like group speculation and then this like mass hysteria like bullshit and then at the end of the day we're just like oh that's all it was i don't want to know that like i want to i want to at least be able to think like this is something that was going on right yeah and also i mean that's that's a really good point you make at the end there about wanting to know or not because it's I feel like the least interesting part of this story is what Mothman actually is. Yeah. Like, what this story is about is the people who who witnessed it, who had encounters with it, who went through all this shit, who had their, like, lives turned upside down by all this. Like, that's what the story is about. That's what interests me is, like, not to mention the, like, social the like societal implications of this like phenomenon mm-hmm. right like yeah. we called this series the mothman phenomenon for a reason because like it's become this cultural icon and for all things weird basically yeah like, and i mean and especially this area was such a such a pivotal point in their history so like yeah, yeah we're not we're not just talking about this bird this moth yeah. whatever thing like we're actually discussing like this area's history everything that they endured during this time you know like yep. yeah there was so much going on and for to be someone that lived around this area i i couldn't imagine it like it was just i mean there's just so much intense just intense crazy stuff happening you know like yeah I mean, they had basically the most stressful year that a small town could imagine having. Right. And then this massive disaster to cap it off. Yep. You know? Yeah. And so, of course, the two things got connected over time. And one of the hardest hitting things for me, especially when we get into talking about, like, Silver Bridge, is this happened December 15th. Like, yeah, that Christmas that year, like, man. Yeah. That's yeah, that's sad. Like extremely sad. You know, I feel like everybody knows someone who's like I hate Christmas because you know, 
it this, that, me or of. the other thing, right? Yeah, yeah. That's everybody in this town. Yeah, I'm sure. Like it's just every one of the reminder, like, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, how many people lost like lost family members that day? Like, I know it's crazy. Even reading, even reading, like you know, some of the reports of of the bridge collapse seeing like presents floating in the river and stuff like that because i mean yeah these are people out there doing their christmas shopping and stuff like that uh you know going on and you so like i i feel like that's just devastating yeah um yeah you know just looking at like you know not even not in not even counting like the deaths the injuries that happened um, you know, the loss of property to all these people that lost their vehicles at the bottom of this river. Yeah. Um, you know, all of that on top of, you know, on top of this, like just the fact that it was that close to the holidays and hey, it's just, I don't know. I, I find that like just even more so hard hitting. Right. Yeah, it is. Definitely. Like speaking of presents floating in the water, that was Mary Hire's dream right she dreamed of yeah like packages floating in the water and like people screaming i think yep yeah she yeah it was uh seeing seeing like these these objects in the water seeing people yeah just hearing people scream i think even she had said like she had seen like people in the water too yeah um yeah and having just like this you know these dreams of this possible thing that was coming up on top of that, like Keel has, you know, there's is is informed of this like prophecy about you know something monumental going to happen on December December fifteenth of that year, and yeah. then come to find out it's also supposed to coincide with like the tree lighting ceremony that's happening. So like yeah. he's like all like one hundred percent sure there's going to be a like a m- devastating power outage like you know this like this insane yeah. like power surge and everybody's going to be with that power. Like he even, like starts collecting like candles, getting prepped and everything, you know? And like yep. when it happens, the lit trees lit, like, you know, and that, that whole, that whole thing goes on. It's like, Oh, and then he receives that call, letting him know, yeah, yeah. this is what's happened. So yeah. like the fact that both of them had these, you know, had these things that they both were, they essentially coincided with each other. Yeah, and didn't even didn't even know. Yeah, I mean, Mary Heyer wrote wrote to Keel telling him about this dream. I think, it, if I remember correctly, at the end of August. Yeah, I like have, well ahead of time. I was gonna say I have all the letters. I was trying to trying to get. I, we won't go through those, but uh, there are there are a bunch of letters. You can actually read the letters that uh, Mary Heyer wrote to Keel during this whole time as well. Yeah. It's all pretty much public yeah. information at this point. Thought I had it here, but regardless, yeah. So I mean, yeah, talking about like this stuff, you know, all this stuff happening, and he's and he's also like trying, you know, like they're they're trying to piece together like what this means and everything. And, you know, it kind of comes down to like just the fact that it, all the stuff's going on, these are most likely just dreams at this point. But, well, I'd say it's a a bit more than that. (laughs) I think that has a lot to do with 
um, you know, the designation of Mothman as a harbinger of doom also is the, all these prophetic dreams that people were having beforehand. Like if, if this was some kind of warning, I think that was his most, that was its most effective tool. Yeah. I was I, the, these dreams. I agree. Cause, and that was reported after a lot of these encounters were yeah. being plagued by these terrible dreams. Right. Yeah. Um, and I mean, and how do you like, how do you make sense of something like that happening to you? You're dealing with these dreams and you're always taught that dreams are most likely, you know, a part of a kind of part of our subconscious that like comes about while we're sleeping, you know, like, and just yeah. random thoughts and things like that, that, that occur that you never even, you know, think, think about really. And then just kind of surge up. I've, I personally, I've been having a lot of weird dreams about demonic possession lately. Wow. It's been okay. insane, dude. Uh, and this is completely off topic, but now that we're talking about it, the other yeah. night, from the time that I went to sleep till I woke up that morning, I had a dream, and I woke up several times throughout the night. My dream, once I woke up, I went back to bed, would continue. Oh. It was it was so weird and bizarre, and that's never happened. I mean, I've I've had I've had a lot of recurring dreams and stuff like that. Sure. I have dreams where I think about things that I've had another you know, that have happened in other dreams. That happens all the time. Yeah. But this one literally from start to finish. I didn't dream anything else that and I remember like because I remember extremely vividly uh, you know, going through this like through this entire like process of dreaming. And it was, yeah, I was dealing with, uh, I, now, now, of course, this has been like a week later, um, or a couple days. I don't, man, I don't know. It's been, it's been at least this past week, um, that, uh, and I can't remember who it was, but it was targeting me and, uh, this, this person that was possessed, they were targeting me. Um, Mm. and so, yeah, it was just like, it was so weird though. It was like. I would wake up. I mean, I I would wake up, go to the bathroom, grab a drink, whatever, sit down, watch TV. I do that a lot throughout the night. Um, Go back to sleep. And then my dream picks right back up. That's weird. Yeah, that's it's extremely weird because I've wanted that for so many, you know, so many past dreams. I'm like, oh, why can't I let this dream continue? This is great. No, when it's something I don't want. And normally, like, I can wake myself up out of a dream. Like, if I especially if I know some crazy stuff's going on, I know that I'm dreaming and I'll just be like, wake up and I wake up. I'm fine. Yeah. And I did that for this. It was it was fine. You know, I was like, oh, okay, Yep. I was right. It was a dream. Perfect. And then right back in back in. Exactly. And it was just the weirdest thing. I, I don't know. I wonder if that's like I wonder if that would be considered a form of lucid dreaming. The like the ability to like go back in and pick up where you left Maybe, off. Maybe, but it's something I've never been able to do before. I've never even heard of people doing that. Yeah, no, I that's yeah, I that's interesting. Yeah, I mean it's it was it was it was very 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 weird. If you're listening and you're into like dream interpretation, hit us up. Cause like I want to know if this is because that's weird yeah. to me. That's like I've never even heard of someone being at able one to do point. That. I woke up in a panic attack, and yeah. that lasted a while afterwards. And then I finally went back to sleep an hour later or so after yeah. you know sitting watching TV, like just kind of calming, calming my down. anxiety down and everything. And then I was right back there, and it was just it just Ugh. 
Yeah, I, I mean, unless unless I never actually woke up, but I know I did. Like I I was actually, I mean, you know, getting up to use the restroom and stuff like that. I got up sure? to get a drink. I'm I'm absolutely positive. Interesting. Yeah. So it's I don't know. It, it, like as and I I try to I try to think like that to maybe rationalize it, but I know that yeah. wasn't the case. Okay. But yeah, that's the first time that's ever happened to me. So now that now that we're talking about these weird messed up dreams and stuff, yeah. like this is like the first time that. And I mean, I I I have weird dreams. I'm always having weird dreams. I I have dreams I'm being chased by like dinosaurs and stuff like that. Or awesome, yeah, which I love. I love those <laughs> ones. They're cool, but you know, like they kind of suck in the process. Yeah. Um But uh, yeah, this was uh it was very different. Than anything I've ever had before. Yeah, I've like I said, I've never even heard of that. So, yeah, if you're into dream interpretation, if you know anything about like lucid dreaming or anything, send us a message. Send us an email. Like I want to know if this is a thing that people do. Oof. It almost feels like like astral projection. It, it it almost does, but like, what's actually going on then? Right. Like, where are you going, dude? That this is taking place. Uh, I don't right? like this. <laughs> yeah, no. I mean, if, if there's like minor things that can freak me out, it's that it's that possibility. I think. Yeah, and I remember being younger and like focusing on astral projection like so hard. And yeah, the only I time I so feel bad. like I've ever been success, I've I've done it in a dream, and it, we've talked about it on the show. Was that dream that I had where I woke up and I'm like going about my day and doing stuff, but like nobody else's. Like nobody else is around, and I go back to find myself yeah. still on the ground, and I'm dead, right? Like I had seen yeah. myself, my own dead body at that point. Um, and I feel like that's the closest <laughs> I've ever gotten anything like that. I used to like, I would lay in bed and just focus on it, right? Because mm-hmm. I'd go through all the stuff for like to prepare yourself for yeah. it. And I remember one time, like, it started feeling like my body was like vibrating. Like I could feel the vibration of my body. Yeah. And like to the point where it was like humming. And then like, I just fell asleep. Like I, I, you know what I mean? Like it felt like I was almost like I was right on the edge of breaking See, I away. Think, I think that's one and of then, the harder, one of the harder things to do because you can't let yourself get comfortable enough enough yeah. to fall asleep. But you also have to be completely comfortable yeah so it's like it's it's, (laughs) yeah like it almost doesn't make sense but yeah like that's that's the whole thing about it right is getting yourself in this like weightless like mind you know out of body like almost feeling right yeah you know and and to be able to reach that you reach that point so but yeah like i think the hardest thing is not letting yourself go to sleep (laughs) yeah that's why i want a float tank oh dude Yes, I'd love to do that. Would be so that. cool. I I would love to try it for sure. But yeah, okay. So <laughs> Mothman. <laughs> no, it's like you know, it's connected for sure because these dreams were a huge part of the story, right? Like all these prophecies, dude. I'm just hoping I'm not having some weird prophecy at this point. Yeah. That, I mean, that's how I started to feel. Like, thank God you finished this. Because, like, I was having 
<sighs> when you have when you have dreams about Mothman every night for a week straight, you start to think like, am, are these Mothman encounters? Right. You know what I mean? Because yeah. like, man. maybe that's maybe that's what has to do with this the, that whole like dreaming process that I had that night. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if it's uh, yeah. I don't know. Could be. I don't. I don't know, man. Because like I was having dreams where I was like laying on the couch in my living room and like Mothman just like leaning forward out of sh- out of the shadows in the corner and shit. And I would just like <laughs> wake up and like sit up on the couch like, oh my god. <laughs> yeah. That would, like. Yeah. That would that would be uh. That'd be pretty crazy. <laughs> yeah, those are the ones that I'm like. For a second, I'm like, was I asleep? Did, or did I that actually, actually see happen? That? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I don't know. Weird. I'd like to think maybe you experienced uh, a Mothman encounter. Yeah, I don't know, man. Let's fast it forward two to or three times over or approximately whatever this month is at l- whatever time that was happening. That'll be our, n- our next encounter. Right. It's I don't know. It happened like two or three times over the course of I don't know two weeks, well, like very similar. And yeah, it was always wherever crazy. I was sleeping, wherever I was sleeping is where it, you know, where it happened in the dream. I mean, if if a Mothman, the Mothman, the bird, whatever, can materialize out of nowhere, can pass through rifts in time and alternate dimensions and stuff like that or is just a manifestation of our own thoughts and stuff like that i yeah i mean who's to say that that wasn't an encounter in itself yeah yeah maybe well luckily we're about (laughs) to finish this up (laughs) yeah thank god okay so speaking of mary hire yes she had what I put, like, in my book is the weirdest possible Men in Black encounter it's ever. so weird, man. So weird, yeah. Like, that. it's the funniest one, too, to me. Yeah, yeah. Like, and we, no, we've talked about, we've talked about this. In past Men in Black encounters, like, we've talked about them being, like, so, like, so, like, caught off guard and so, uh... Um, like you know seeing like all this modern technology something as simple as a ballpoint pen and just being like over over the top like just very in awe by this thing right yeah and that's exactly what's happening here so forgetting about this small little man just skipping to this little point first you know just being like just so it's so just like into this pen and yeah. not like looking at it like he loves this thing and like it's like his long lost love that he's you know seeing for the first time or whatever I don't know like he's looking yeah. at this thing like he's never witnessed anything of such marvel yeah he's fascinated exactly by it. but yeah. now going back to this little this little man this uh, small man entering her office and and it was what he stood about four and a half feet tall. Yeah, which I mean, that's that's a it's a small little man. Yeah, yeah, that's very small. And he like speaks in this like low like low voice and everything. <laughs> yeah, um, and just really weird because he's like comes in, you know, just doing his thing, and then it starts asking for directions. 
Yeah. Um, but as he's doing it, he's like slowly getting closer and closer to her. And I think yeah, I, have, for, I put in my notes, scary close talker. Exa- <laughs> yeah. I, I think for yeah. anyone, anyone in their right mind would be a little off put by that. Yeah, absolutely. And the, you know what? This, this encounter reads very fey to me. Okay, that's fair. Yeah. Like, especially with he's like fascinated by the pen and he takes it. Yeah. <laughs> Which is very fey, right? He like takes his offering yeah. and goes. <laughs> and he like, he just lets out this like menacing laugh, like, ha ha ha, and he runs away. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that's so, so very like so trickstery weird. and right. yeah, fey. For sure. Yeah. Like, he demanded a, a payment. In the form of this fascinating ballpoint pen. But it's also hilarious. Yeah. And then just, but like, yeah, like, and she's like very terrified. And and that's, and that was one of the things like specifically, like she's very terrified of what was going on. You yeah. Know, off put by, d- despite the size of this very small man, his like. She found him scary. She, yeah, she found him very, very scary. Very, you know, like. And that's why even even after the fact, she's like reaching out to the police to like make sure, you know, this wasn't like a person of interest or something that had like escaped. Yeah. You know, um, I she had there was uh, uh, it was it was more so like, in in that time period, like they thought like he had escaped like, uh, like a mental asylum or something like that at the time, right? Yeah. And that was like one of the one of the things she was worried about, which I mean. You know, judging by that scenario, I makes sense exactly. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I would be scared. I mean, yeah, I I'd, mean, I'd be a little, yeah, I'd be a little off put. I think. Yeah, <laughs> Just the, I mean, you don't <laughs> play with this pin, <laughs> and he runs away. Yeah. <laughs> <It's> just... So silly. <laughs> it is silly, but it's like so weird. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. So. Rewinding just a little bit. There's a woman, Virginia, something Virginia. Virginia. um, Yes, Virginia. Virginia. Thomas. Yeah, I love that she saw a Mothman, like, actually leaving one of the igloos. Yeah, so she... In the TNT area. She basically said she was working in her kitchen. She hears this high-pitched, sounded like a bad fan belt. And if you're familiar, if you're familiar with the bad fan belt, I mean they squeak and squeal and everything, yeah. right? And so she hears this, and it's coming from one of the igloos in the TNT area. So she's like, yeah. she's like, watches out and watches this shadow that like goes across her lawn at the, you know as as yep. this thing, this like br- I think she described it as like being brown, um, well, gray, I think. Uh, so a large shadow, uh, yeah. So she watches a tall gray figure that walked direct like a man emerged from within the igloo. Yeah, which I love the imagery of that, like him just like emerging from one of these right, igloos, he's, like, and... emerging victoriously, like <laughs> right, like. Well, you always connect like those igloos from the TNT area with it, like even our Mothman shirt that Todd Purse designed. Yeah. You know, they're like coming up on this igloo and with mothman perched over top mm-hmm. of it but like you don't hear too many encounters that actually have that imagery have with him, him being there with one of the or, right exactly true yeah yeah so yeah, yeah. in this case that one he's really like stuck walking out. straight out of it yeah 
Like that's his his home or his hangout. Which makes them so much creepier. I agree. It makes me want to go back and watch the episode of Hillier where they go and do the Estes method inside one of them. Yeah, I've this whole th- this whole time has made me want to go back and rewatch Hellier. And I know I've I've rewatched both seasons of that show probably at least four or five times now. Yeah. <laughs> it's just right? so good. Um, yeah. shout out to the new Kirk. Exactly. 100%. They also have a new podcast. Um Yes. Can't remember the name of it right now, but I've been wanting to check it out. Yeah. So that's that's pretty cool. Um yeah, that they're now doing that. They're I mean, they're still still doing everything. I know, I had seen that there was there was talks of a possible season three, but I, I don't know if that's actually real or, um, you know what's what's coming of that. But uh, yeah, yeah. I from what I've heard, there's gonna, there's definitely going to be a, a third season. There should. There definitely should. Yeah. There's a lot. There's a lot more they can pick up from. Yeah, I mean, at this point, it's really just like you know a couple months in the life of of them right, right it doesn't yeah. matter what they're investigating i would watch i would watch them do whatever oh, they're doing yeah no matter what they're both brilliant that people team. their group exactly the, yes. the team the group that they that they work with everything is phenomenal all just brilliant people and one day one day one day <laughs> <laughs> I hope that we can get them on the show. That is a goal. So if anyone yeah, has l- any ties to, to the new Kirks or anyone else they work with, send them our way, please. Yeah, I'd I'd love to have Greg and Dana yeah, on for sure, and or either one of them. I agree. Or both. Yeah, It'd be awesome. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's definitely made me want to go back and and rewatch it lately. Yeah. One big point I wanted to get to before we wrap yeah, up is like. You hear 13 months, 13 months, 13 months, over and over, right. every time, right? Yeah. There's this conception that this lasted a year and a month, and it was over. But, like, crazy shit is still going on in this area to this day. Right. Like, it I, never stopped. I think that the biggest notable thing about this 13 months is it's 13 months to the day of the first encounter that the Silver Bridge collapsed. Yeah, exactly. So I think that's and, where that yeah that really kind of comes into play, right? I mean, Kiel above all was a writer, and that's like a perfect, nice little bow to yeah, put on the story, course. right? Mm-hmm. And so I I get why he did that, but like I want people to understand that like Mothman didn't just stop happening oh, after no. the bridge I collapsed. Mean, after that, after that night, um, I can't remember the couple, and I was going to write about that and keep going, but like I had to stop. Yeah, um, but they had went home after the Silver Bridge collapsed and everything, and then they're still seeing these these orbs, these flashing lights, and everything that are coming from the TNT area that they're yeah. almost uh, that they think is almost now a patterned thing. Um, that yeah. it's it's basically going down this uh, this just um, specific route, right? This this like yeah. route that the sequence now, of exactly, motions. Yeah. yeah. Um. So that is very much and continues heavily. You know, people yeah. that are seeing that, and then we're still seeing you know some reports of Mothman. Just the the yeah. reports of Mothman had dwindled down a lot though. Yeah. Over for sure. over that first year, right? Yeah, and that's what I kind of tried to kind of really stress at the end was that the the reports of 
Mothman sightings definitely did dwindle, but they didn't cease, for sure. Yeah, I mean, fuck, apparently I had a Mothman sighting a couple weeks ago. <laughs> like, Yeah, there we go. People are, I, I mean, not to mention, like we alluded to, you know, at the beginning, there is all this talk about stuff going on around O'Hare Airport in Chicago. Yeah. That's, you know, and like, for instance, Asher's from on Wednesdays we talk weird she had a mothman encounter in like 20 i think 2017 something 2016 yeah. or 2017 like people are still seeing this entity whatever it is mm-hmm. so it never never yeah. never stops i mean i i hope that it doesn't stop yeah cuz i think this I'm, is this is pretty yeah it's pretty it, it's pretty gnarly but at the same time i think it's pretty spectacular yeah, it's goth Bigfoot. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> yeah. Well, like if Bigfoot shopped at Hop to- or Hot Topic, he would be yeah, Mothman, Mothman, basically. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> if Bigfoot went for Halloween dressed as any of the girls I would have dated in high school, <laughs> <laughs> he would be Mothman. If Bigfoot started just listening to like some dark music. You know, wearing yeah. some black nail polish and like did it like that side sweep and just dyed yeah. his hair black. He'd be Mothman. Listening to like Norwegian black metal. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like that image. It's ne- It was never a good look when like the really big dudes in high school went goth <sighs> or emo. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, it was never a good look. Yep. But, you know. Everyone had that friend that was like six foot six and like 340 pounds and, you know, tried to shop at Hot Topic. (laughs) It's like, you don't, none of this fits you. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't, doesn't take away from, you know, like, let them be who they are, you know? Sure. Sure. If Bigfoot wants to be dark and mysterious, I'll call him Mothman. Sure. Sure. I mean, I think they're the same thing, personally, so... They might be. You're right. They might be. Yeah. Two fingers of, on the same hand. There we go. I think yep. that's a good, a good wrapping point. Um, yeah, cool. thank you again for taking the time to listen to, again, endure all six episodes <laughs> of this Mothman phenomenon with us. I say, yes, endure, I say endure it lightly, because, I mean, we've learned some pretty cool stuff along the way but no thank you very much for being a part of it continue to listen there won't be more mothman but never again i think this is gonna wrap up episode 72 the mothman phenomenon part six the conclusion thank you thank you thank you from the bottom of our weird possibly alien maybe ghostly probably cryptid hearts for listening. We absolutely love having the chance to discuss all these wild creatures and events every week, and it's your continued attention that allows us to carry on. We want to get to know each and every one of you, so please come and check us out on all the socials. At campfire.tales.podcast on Instagram and Facebook, at campfire.totsau on Twitter, and you can also visit our website at campfirepodcastnetwork.com. If you love the show, please 
rate and review it. It's what truly helps us continue bringing your weekly dose of the strange and unsettling. And a special thanks to Greg Martin at Reverent Music on Instagram for his contributions to the beautiful music that you hear every week under the debrief. You can find more of his tunes at ReverbNation.com slash Reverent. It's fantastic, fantastic stuff. Go give that a listen. And that's it. Until next time, I'm Ryan. I'm Jordan. And remember, campers, stay weird and and trust trust in the unknown. unknown.